This is our third week in our message series based on the, the Nativity story. And over the past couple of weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about Mary. The first week of our series, we talked about what a huge honor it was for Mary to be chosen by God. And we saw that when any of us are chosen by God for anything, it's a reason to celebrate. And all of us are chosen by God for something. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. So we all have a reason to celebrate. That's what we learned from Mary in week one. Last week, we talked about the potential consequences that Mary faced because of her pregnancy. Because she was an engaged woman and because her fiancé knew that he wasn't the father, there were all kinds of possible consequences that she faced. It was unlikely that anyone would believe her story about being told by an angel that while she was still a virgin, she'd give birth to a son. So one of the consequences would be that everyone would accuse her of lying. And she would have been seen as being immoral. She would have been treated with contempt and shunned by the very people who used to call her friend. Her own family could have rejected her. Plus, her fiancé could have abandoned her. And there was even a good chance that she could be executed by stoning in the streets. And in spite of all of these dangers, we learned something from Mary. We learned that any sacrifice to be in the center of God's will is no sacrifice because there's no better place to be. Okay, so that's what we've learned over the past couple of weeks from Mary. Today, we're going to switch our focus from Mary, from Mary to Joseph. Now, truth be known, we don't really know a whole lot about Joseph. In fact, we don't even know any of the words that he spoke. In the Bible, we're only told what he did, never what he said. I didn't realize that until this week as I was preparing for this message. And I started to, to look around. There, there's, there's no quotations from Joseph found in your New Testament. Well, we are told that he was some kind of a craftsman, possibly a carpenter. At least for a little while, he lived in the town of Nazareth. But his ancestral home was Bethlehem, because that was the home of his ancestor, King David. So that's something we know about him. And that is something. Joseph could actually track his family line back a thousand years to the greatest king of Israel. Do you know who your ancestors were 1,000 years ago? Me neither. But Joseph did. However, even though he was a direct descendant of royalty, he was far enough removed that he wasn't seen as anyone special. No one from Nazareth was seen as anyone special. Plus, we know that Joseph wasn't exactly wealthy. When Joseph and Mary took Jesus after his birth, when they took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him or to consecrate him, they took along with them a sacrifice to offer to God, as the Old Testament, as their scriptures commanded them to do. Now, according to the Old Testament law, after a woman has given birth, she's supposed to offer a sacrifice of a lamb and a small bird, either a dove or a pigeon. But there was a provision in the Old Testament law for those who couldn't afford a lamb. They could bring with them, instead of a lamb and a bird, they could bring two young pigeons or two doves, which is exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They took the poverty clause. So Joseph was not a, a wealthy man by any stretch. Oh, but there is one more thing that we know about Joseph, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. This is the reason why Joseph was chosen to be the earthly father of Jesus. This is what qualified Joseph to be the man who would be closer to Jesus than any other man. This is it. We know that Joseph was a good, righteous man. He was a good, righteous man. He was a man of honor. He was a man who wanted to do what was right toward other people and toward God. We're told that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, where it says, 
it starts the sentence off saying this, because Joseph, her husband, was a what? Was a righteous man. So we know that Joseph was a righteous man, and he was even known during his lifetime as a righteous man, which basically means that he always tried to do what was right. That's basically what it means to be righteous. He tried to do what was right. He lived his life according to the Old Testament law. He believed God's word and he followed it. He was honorable. He acted with integrity in his interpersonal and in his business relationships. He was one righteous dude. Now, just so we're clear, righteous and religious are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. Joseph lived in a very religious society, but not all that righteous. Just like today, there were a lot of people, a lot of religious people, who did not live righteously. Even the religious leaders of Joseph's day were corrupt. They were more interested in perceptions and politics and power and possessions than they were in living for God. But Joseph, Joseph was righteous. He was a man of honor. He was the kind of man that God would choose to raise his own son. He'd be the kind of man that every child could wish for, a father who knows the right way to live and who follows the right way no matter what the cost. So how did Joseph get this way? I mean, did he wake up one morning to discover that he had become righteous overnight? Did he trip on the sidewalk and fall into righteousness? Is it just one of those things that happened? No, you don't become righteous by accident. Understand this, being righteous is never the easy thing to do. Being righteous means that you act against your own sinful, selfish desires and that you do what is right. It's never easy, but it's always right. And so Joseph had devoted himself to pursuing righteousness. He had disciplined himself and had developed a habit of making the right choices. And I'm sure he had made sacrifices along the way, but he had determined that he would live righteously before his God. Now, in the Nativity story, they kind of substitute that word righteous with the word honor. And I know that they don't technically mean exactly the same thing, but they're close enough for our purposes here today. So I want you to take a look at this clip. This is a clip from the movie, and it's just after Joseph has discovered that Mary is pregnant. He doesn't understand all the circumstances yet, and, and this scene will show him wrestling with what the righteous, honorable thing to do would be. Seeking honor. Honor. Mary, so how am I to answer this? If I claim this child is mine, I will be lying. I will have broken a law laid down by God. I would never ask you to lie. If I say this child is not mine, they will ask what I want to do. And if I kiss you, I 
There is a will for this child, greater than my fear of what they may do. Okay, so in that clip, Joseph claimed that all his life he had pursued honor. And he probably had. He probably wanted to be right with God. He wanted to act rightly toward others. He wanted to have integrity. He wanted to be righteous. He wanted to have honor. And he had pursued it all his life by keeping the law, by offering the appropriate sacrifices, and by just being a good, honest man. But Joseph was about to discover that true honor, that true righteousness, meant much more than just saying and doing the right things. It meant more than being respected in the community. In fact, for Joseph, it meant the exact opposite. So this morning, let me identify for you three ways in which Joseph demonstrated honor and righteousness, in ways that I'm sure he never expected he'd have to. But when the time came, he was up to the task and he acted righteously. So first of all, Joseph demonstrated true righteousness, how? Through a deep compassion for Mary. He had a deep compassion for Mary. Even when he felt betrayed by her, he still had compassion for her. Now put yourself in Joseph's sandals. Imagine you were engaged, you had been completely faithful, and you suddenly found out that you had been betrayed. Your fiancé had cheated on you, and you didn't even know with who. How would you react? How much compassion would you have? This must have been tremendously difficult for Joseph. Now, if he really did love Mary, then maybe there was a part of him that wanted to work it out. But there would have been an even bigger part of him that felt hurt, felt betrayed, felt angry, that wanted to get even, that wanted to put her to shame, that wanted to wound her just as she had wounded him. Joseph must have been hurt by what he thought Mary had done. But still, there was nothing hurtful in his response to her. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't compromise his integrity. He did not try to humiliate Mary. Instead, he acted with honor and compassion toward Mary, even when he thought that she had betrayed him. Now, remember, we talked about this last week. If Joseph had gone public and made a big show over what he thought Mary had done, there was a good chance that Mary would have been executed. Some people today who go through a bitter divorce wish they had that option. Joseph actually did. He could have had his fiance, soon to be ex-fiance or ex-wife, um, he could have had her executed. That was an option he had, but he decided not to use that option. Joseph was going to break it off with Mary, yes, but he was going to do it quietly. He didn't want to subject her to public disgrace, and he didn't want her to be killed. So he was going to break it off as quietly as he could. Now, in that clip we saw from the, the Nativity story, you could see the internal battle that Joseph must have been waging. I know that's the screenwriter's version and the director's version of what could have happened, but I think it's probably pretty accurate. Joseph probably did struggle with what he should do. He probably weighed all his options, and he came down on the side of compassion. Now, there's a man of honor. Keep in mind that at this point, Joseph didn't know God's plan. He didn't understand that Mary was still a virgin. He believed that Mary had indeed cheated on him, that she had betrayed him. And yet he acted with honor and compassion and righteousness. 
Secondly, Joseph demonstrated true righteousness through a willingness to sacrifice his reputation. Remember that Joseph was engaged to Mary, and he himself was maintaining his sexual purity by waiting until their marriage was finalized. But suddenly, Mary shows up with a bun in the oven. She fell pregnant. Well, Joseph knew that he wasn't the father, but if he stayed with her, then people would assume that he was the father and that they just weren't able to control themselves. They'd both be looked down on. Both of their reputations would have been destroyed. Mary's was going to be destroyed either way. But Joseph had the choice whether his reputation would be destroyed or not. And remember what his reputation was. He was known as a good, honorable, righteous man. And that was a reputation he'd worked hard to achieve. And really, that's why Joseph planned to break it off with her. It was because he was righteous. It was the right thing to do, or so it seemed. And that's when God stepped in. He sent the angel Gabriel to Joseph in a dream to explain what was going on. And the angel went on to encourage Joseph to go ahead with the wedding. Now, remember that this would destroy his reputation. Joseph understood that staying with Mary would make him the object of ridicule. So even with the angel's urging, it would still be a courageous decision for him to make. He would have to take for his wife a woman who was bearing a child that wasn't his own, and in so doing, he would share in the shame and the humiliation that would be heaped upon her. People would talk about him behind his back, they'd shun him, and they could even treat him with outright contempt. His reputation would be ruined. That's what Joseph faced if he took Mary as his wife. But that's exactly what he did. Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus. save his people from their sins. I know. Mary, God showed me. An angel came to me. I dream. You believe me? I believe you. Your child will be the father. I will declare him as my own. People, they will not look at you the same. They will not look at us the same. You are my wife. Your husband, that is all anyone need know. So Joseph sacrificed his own reputation because he was a man of honor, and he took Mary as his wife. Ironic, don't you think? That he would have to sacrifice his reputation as being righteous in order to remain righteous in order to remain a man of honor. But true honor, true righteousness, does not depend on what other people think of you. It depends on what God thinks of you. Joseph understood that, and so he made it his goal to be a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser, even to the point of sacrificing his reputation. And the third thing that we see in Joseph that made him a righteous man, that earned him this reputation, was that he had a courage to follow God into the unknown. Joseph was really going where no man had gone before. 
He was taking on the responsibility of raising God. Now, how exactly do you do that? How do you raise God? I mean, really, I, I went to Amazon.ca this week and I couldn't find any books or any videos on how to raise God. So how do you do that? Would Jesus always be self-aware? Did he always uh, know who he was? Would he always be all-knowing and all-powerful? Or would Jesus have some self-imposed restrictions as he grew? Would Jesus need disciplining? If so, how do you go about doing that? How do you discipline God? And what if they had other kids? What if Mary and Joseph had other kids? Which, by the way, they did. Do they play favorites? This was all unfamiliar territory for Joseph and for Mary, and for anyone else for that matter. Joseph was stepping into the unknown. He was just a craftsman, a carpenter. How was he going to raise God? There must have been a lot of uncertainty and even fear about it. Here, take a look at this scene. He's moving. You've never really told me of your dream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please, tell me. The angel came to me. He told me the child within you had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. That I should not be afraid. Are you afraid? Yes. Are you? Yes. <laughs> Do you ever wonder when we'll know? No. No. When he's more than just a child. Will it be something he says? I look in his eye. There, did you catch that? I wonder if I'll even be able to teach him anything. There was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown for Joseph and for Mary in raising Jesus. Now, there's a song that was written by Michael Card that tried to capture how Joseph may have been feeling about becoming the acting father of the Son of God. The song said, Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? Now, raising Jesus would be daunting enough all by itself. But just think about when Joseph found out that his, his responsibilities would be a little more complicated than that. What does a small town craftsman know about outwitting the armies of the king and protecting the most precious baby ever born? What does a carpenter know about traveling to foreign lands? What does an ordinary Joe know about raising the Messiah? How different would this be from what Joseph or originally planned for his future? 
He probably expected a quiet life, living in Nazareth, raising a family, working as a craftsman, making a meager living. Probably would never be wealthy, but it, it would be, and it wouldn't necessarily be easy, but it'd be predictable. My, how things change. And yet Joseph embraced all of this. He courageously followed God into the unknown. You know, maybe there was a time that Joseph thought that being righteous meant being religious. Keeping the Old Testament law, offering ritual sacrifices, outdoing your neighbor in the goodness scale. Maybe Joseph thought like that at one point in time, but not anymore. He came to understand this. He came to understand that true righteousness is not revealed in what we do. It's revealed in who we are. True righteousness is not revealed in what we do. It's revealed in who we are and ultimately who God is making us to be. Joseph sought honor all his life. He pursued righteousness and he attained it. He was motivated by compassion to follow God's leading regardless of the sacrifice and regardless of where it led him. That's true righteousness. Now, you know what I wonder? I wonder if some 30 years later, when Jesus was, was speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, I wonder if Jesus was thinking about his dad when he said this in Matthew 5 or 6, Blessed or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Joseph, he did that. He hungered and thirsted for righteousness and he attained it. He was filled. Does that describe you? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness like Joseph did? That's my admonition for you today. To seek righteousness. To strive for it. To live to please God in everything you do. To be right before Him and before each other. Today we look back at the life of Joseph and we see in the words of the New Testament that he was a righteous man. When people look back at your life, will they be able to say the same? Will they be able to say that you were righteous?